And joining me right now here on the Mark Mosey Show to go over the latest on Florida Gator basketball. It's my good friend John Ferry with Sports Now. John, how you doing today? Mark, doing great. Coming down the home stretch of college basketball season, it kind of sneaks up on you because with the NFL going into the second week of February, mm. all of a sudden you're almost on top of March Madness. And the Florida Gators look like they're going to be part of March Madness for the first time in three years. Yeah, you look at them, 18-7, and seven, fifth in the SEC. They've won three in a row. They beat Georgia on the road over the weekend, 88-82. What did you see out of this contest, buddy? I saw a team that was gritty. It was a team that was down six at halftime. They gave up 46 points to Georgia in the first half, and it didn't look good. But Todd Golden went into the locker room and said, hey, guys, if we're going to be a tournament team, our defense has got to pick up, and like right now. And it did, and Florida wound up winning 88-82, The free throw shooting down the stretch, I think, was key, Mark, which has picked up immensely for this team during the three-game winning streak you touched on. And overall, this team's got some depth. Uh, They go eight, nine, ten deep. And Todd Golden said that with four big guys that he rotates, there's always one or two that are mad at them because they don't get enough minutes. But that's the situation you want. Thomas Howe had a career day, the freshman out of Pennsylvania on Saturday. He had 17 points against Georgia. That was big. That was uh, literally and figuratively. Florida doesn't win that game without his performance. And I think that's what's going to help this team, not only the rest of the regular season, Mark, but I think in the SEC basketball tournament and in March, the fact that Unlike the last two years when it was the Colin Castleton show for Gators basketball and everybody else, you could lose a guy here or there to foul trouble, maybe an injury. You don't want that. But with the depth that Todd Golden's brought in, you can afford that and still win games. And I think that's been the difference in this Florida basketball team this season. Yeah, you look at... The last couple of weeks, you were talking three-game losing streak, but if you go back, all right, January 20th, you beat Missouri on the road, you beat Mississippi State at home, you beat Georgia at home, you win that game at Kentucky, we were on the air a couple weeks ago breaking that down, that was 131. Then probably their weirdest performance, they lose at A&M, 67-66. Then you beat Auburn, then you beat LSU, and then what you said, Georgia. Do you think this team, they are ranked 24th in the country, do they deserve, in what they've done over the last couple of weeks, do they deserve to be a top 25 team? I think they do. Uh, you mentioned the Kentucky win. That was at Rupp Arena. They blew out Auburn, who was in the top 12. I know they lost to Kentucky on Saturday, but they've got two quad one wins, and they're just playing more consistent game in and game out. So 18-7 and seven overall, 8-4. and four. In the conference, and right now it looks like nine teams are going to be in March Madness from the SEC. This is a pretty deep SEC for those that haven't paid attention to SEC basketball till maybe this point. Florida's got a tough one Wednesday night at Alabama. You could argue they might be the best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. So I do think Florida deserves to be ranked 24th uh, with the schedule they've played, the results they've had the last 
month and a half, I think they're about where they should be right now. You kind of said this at the top. Is this a tournament team right now, or do they need to do more here on the resume? I think they need to do a little bit more, meaning don't do a Jacksonville Jaguars. That is, don't lose out. (laughs) They've got six games left. They're at 18 wins. I think if they were to go two and four, Mark, they're in. They would get to 20. I think that's what they're going to need to do, and I think they're going to do better than that, by the way. I think they might win 22 games in the regular season. I could see this team going four and two the last six regular season games. Plus, they've got at least one game, maybe a couple, in the SEC basketball tournament in Nashville, too. So I don't think they're in the tournament yet. I think they're right on the cusp of it. But I think two more wins and they're in for sure. No doubt in my mind then. All right, you're going four and two down the stretch. Yeah, you got Bama twice here in the last six. And like you said, maybe the best team right now in the SEC. They're ranked 13th as of today. Other game at South Carolina. Missouri won't be easy. All right, look. I'm just happy they're competitive and they could talk tournament. I think Mike White. I think he put this team in a bad situation, and I feel bad saying this. I think they're better off with the new guy there in charge, Mr. Todd Golden. How about you? I think they are, too. Uh, They're 4-0 against Mike White, by the way, in two years since he's been at Georgia. Now, granted, he inherited a situation that wasn't ideal. I get that. But Mike White, I think, had run his course at Florida. He had been there seven years, for those that forgot, and – There was a lot of late-season collapses with Coach White and a lot of second-half collapses, and I think it had just gone stale. I think it was time for all parties involved to move on, meaning Florida move in a different direction and Coach White in a different direction. So I like the energy Todd Golden brings. I like what he did in the transfer portal because most of this team that you're watching this year is from the transfer portal. Basically, Riley Kugel and Will Richard are the only guys from last year's team that are major contributors to this year. The rest of the guys, whether it's Walter Clayton or Tyree Samuel, Micah Hanlogton, they're all transfers. So I think Todd Golden's been a pretty good talent evaluator and put put together a heck of a roster when you consider this is only a second year on the job. Can they win tomorrow night at Alabama, though? That's going to be tough. I, they can. I would not pick them. I think that's going to be one of the two of the remaining six they lose. I think they're going to beat Alabama on senior night back in Gainesville in two weeks. But I don't think they win tomorrow night. That's that's an awfully tall ask. And the luxury of this, Mark, is that that's a bonus for Florida. Obviously, you want to win them all, but what they've accomplished to this point allows them not to have a must-win against a team like that on their court tomorrow night. So I don't expect them to win that one, but then I think they come back on Saturday in Gainesville and beat Vanderbilt. I think they beat Missouri. They beat Missouri away earlier in the year, and Missouri, at last check, is in last place in the conference. So I think they'll get Missouri at home. And I think they're going to get Alabama at home. Florida's only lost one game at home all year. 
that's a game they should have won. They let that one get away against Kentucky, a game they led for 28 minutes. So I don't think they win tomorrow, but I think they're going to finish out 4-2 and two and be 12-6 and six in conference and have 22 wins in the regular season. And if you had asked me that back in November, I wouldn't have gave you those numbers, but I think that's where they're going to wind up now. I want your take on this. There's so much parody in college basketball where I'm constantly seeing headlines. Oh, this team got upset. I don't think there's upsets anymore in college basketball. I think everyone's fair game outside of UConn when it comes to basketball games. How about you? I agree. I think the transfer portal has made it that way, to be honest. Florida's the prime example that we just went through. But, yeah, there's really not too many upsets anymore. In fact, if you remember a year ago, Purdue, a one seed lost to Farley Dickinson in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And so I would have Connecticut slightly above the rest, as you touched on. But even if Connecticut lost in the tournament, it wouldn't shock me, Mark, uh, just the way the game is, which is why I think March Madness as an individual event might be the greatest sporting event of the entire calendar year. I've said that over and over, not because basketball's a a bigger sport than football. We know where football is in this country, but as far as one event, because the little guys get a chance, like a Farley Dickinson, to have a big upset, you honestly don't know who's going to the Final Four from year to year. Remember last year we had three teams that made their first Final Four, two from this state, Miami and Florida Atlantic. San Diego State made the national championship game. So that's why I think it's going to be a lot of fun next month. And even though Florida has a little work to do, I'm pretty confident they're going to be part of this. I think three teams from the state of Florida, Florida, Florida Atlantic, and South Florida, that head coach they've got down there is doing a heck of a job in his first year too. Those three are going to be in from the state of Florida when they roll out those uh selections on selection Sunday in about four weeks. South Florida is an interesting case from the standpoint they stay in the American and people leave the conference like UCF and Houston, and then they get better as a program. I don't think I've ever seen that before, John. Have you? I haven't. And they're 12 and one in the conference for those 19 and five overall. And they just came off a big win against Florida Atlantic. And they are kind of a unique case, but their coach came from Kennesaw State. I know a lot of folks don't pay attention to Kennesaw State, but they were a team he took to the tournament. And I think they're in a good spot uh, where they're at in that conference right now. And unlike football, the American Conference, you can get to the big dance, you know, in basketball and football, no. But in basketball, I think South Florida is fine right where they're at. No, remember, Cincinnati did make the college football playoff as an American Conference team. Remember this. <laughs> that happened. They did, but that was an outlier. I I wouldn't bet they could do it again, but no. you're right. They did one time. Can a mid-major win the tournament? I, I don't think so. I, I want it to happen. I really dream about it. I don't think they can win March Madness. How about you? I think they could under the right circumstance. Remember when Butler made the championship game two years in a row. They didn't win it. They lost to Duke and Connecticut, but 
we've had examples. San Diego State, I just brought up, what was in the championship game last year. So I think under the right scenario, yes, I do believe it. I mean, again, it would take the right draw, the right circumstances, some of the other big boys to get knocked out in upsets before that mid-major had to face them. But I think we're getting to a point, Mark, where we might see that. Yes, not, maybe not this year, but I think in our lifetime we're going to see that. I, I think we are, just because of this transfer portal and the way players are just moving from place to place. I think it's very likely we'll see that within the next five to ten years. Well, you're at John Ferry Sports now. I, I just want you to know this. Um, when I look at my Twitter feed, everything it now is about – you need to donate money to the collective so schools can get recruits. I don't even know if this is a question for you. Um, I'm not donating to any of these collectives. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. Maybe I'm the hater here. John Ferry, are you going to donate to these collectives to help schools get recruits? I am not. Unfortunately, uh, uh, I'm just donating to my collective with the way <laughs> things are right now. So, no, sir, I am not. As far as Florida, because they have a billboard up in Clearwater wanting folks to donate to the collective, my advice would be first, you better start winning on the field more before you ask folks to donate. And I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about football. I think yeah. we know where I'm going here. So, But, no, I, I think the world of college athletics is so out of control right now with the collective NIL the transfer portal, which I think has been good for basketball, not as much for football, but still I think overall it's not a great thing. Uh, too many kids are transferring too many times. So, no, sir, they will not be getting any money out of John Ferry. It was weird on signing day, whatever that is anymore, at the beginning of uh, this month on a Wednesday, where I know you saw it, where Billy Napier, he talks, and then the first two questions are about the collective. And can their collective compete with other collectives in the SEC? And I just feel like saying, Billy Napier's not in charge of the collective. That's why I'm with you, John, where this is completely out of whack with all of this. I just, I know I'm ranting to you, but he's head football coach. He's not in charge of the collective. Is that correct when I say that? That is correct. He's not. And that's where Florida got in trouble a year or so ago with the Jaden Rashada saga that I'm sure most that are Gator fans listening out there remember. And so the head coach is not in charge of the collective, whether it's Billy Napier at Florida, Brian Kelly at LSU or whomever. So, and that's another problem with not that the coach should be in charge of the collective, but that we've got this wild, wild West. We don't really have any, committee that's overseeing it the ncaa is a joke in my opinion by the way mark i don't think they're going to be able to levy any penalties on anybody i know they're investigating florida for the jade and rashada situation they're investigating tennessee danny white the athletic director up there is fighting that the former ucf athletic director probably a lot of listeners remember him from there yeah I don't think it's going to work. I don't think there's any way to control this. I mean, you've let the genie out of the bottle. I don't know how you get the genie back in at this point. The NCAA has known about this for about three years now and still has done nothing. I'm with you 100% on this. I am. I I just I don't get it after a while. And there's a part of me, and this is where I sound like an old man, um, 
I, I miss signing day mattering that first Wednesday in February. I wish we could go back to that because it just, it just feels like every day is signing day. What's your take, John? You're singing to the choir on that because I'm so old, Mark. I can remember when guys used to take days off from work on National Signing Day. It was like a holiday, and I would like them to go back to that, too. The first Wednesday in February, first, they've got to get the early signing out of December. I agree. I mean, where they've got it now, it's right up against Christmas and the bowl games. It's crazy, and I think they do need to just bring it full circle and just have one signing day and have it in early February. I thought that was the perfect time. That was after all the bowl games, after all the playoff games now, and it made that day a lot of fun for college football fans. It was like almost a game day on a Wednesday. It was crazy, but that's the way it used to be. Now it's anticlimactic. I mean, all the hay is in the barn, as they say. There's really no excitement on that day at all. I know Billy Napier spoke, like you mentioned, and other coaches, but basically it's just regurgitating what they signed back in December. There's really nothing new to report at that point. And we still don't know – if these recruits are going to play for this team, that's my number one concern. I don't know with the transfer portal. So everyone with the 2024 class, you can get hyped, but we're here in February. I am not sure about this class until they're there at fall camp. That's how I feel, John. Well, I think Florida fans agree with you, especially again after Jaden Rashada, not to pick oh. on that young man who's at Arizona State, but after that episode, over a year ago, I think all Florida fans are right there with you, Mark, that until you see them show up for spring ball and in a lot of cases for fall camp, which is in August, uh, you don't have them. And that's basically where it is right now. You can't be assured of anything until they're actually physically on your campus practicing and able to participate in games. Let's well, send with this with John Ferry Sports now. You always get me fired up. So – John texted me a couple weeks ago, hey, Mark, do you have a Bears guy to talk draft with me? And I go, <laughs> I go, uh, just talk to me. You don't need anyone else. Okay. So, uh, all right, you can interview me now, John. What are your questions about the Bears? The floor is yours. Are the Bears going to trade the first overall pick, which would be Caleb Williams? That's the big question. Are they going to trade that pick away? to accumulate more picks, or are they going to pick Caleb Williams out of USC? Here, Here's the first question, and, and by the way, I love this. This Now we're talking my wheelhouse. I appreciate you doing this with me. So is he, gonna, is he going to throw at the combine? Is Caleb Williams, or are you going to have to wait for his pro day? Like, how how is this guy going to act? That's the part we don't know because – there's rumblings that the dad has been like, oh, well, he doesn't want to play for the Bears. I think this is all on the table here with this pick, where does this guy want to go to Chicago and be the quarterback for the next five to six years? And then you do have to take the phone calls from other teams. And what are they going to offer? Now, here's my question for you, John. If someone calls up the Bears and says, we'll give you three first-round picks, for Caleb Williams, do you go, all right, I'll take that deal, or do you go, wow, 
they're going to give up so much, maybe we should just take Caleb Williams. So my question is, what would you do with the first pick, buddy? I would take that deal. Three first-round picks, that would be too much for me to give up. Not Or to pass on, I guess I should say. Not to say Caleb Williams won't turn out to be a star, but with the other quarterbacks that are available in this draft, and part of that equation would be it's got to be a team like Washington right below Chicago or maybe a team drafting third or fourth where the Bears with one of those picks could still get a quarterback. It might not be Caleb Williams. It might be Jaden Daniels from LSU, Drake May from North Carolina. But if they could stay in the top five and get three first-round picks, I would be out of there in a heartbeat mark myself if I'm the Chicago Bears. When Trevor Lawrence was the first pick, and everyone said Lawrence is the pick, if someone would have said, we'll give you three first-round picks for Trevor Lawrence in the first pick, would you have done it now? I Now I would, yes. Looking back on it, yes, I would now. Three years ago, no. no. Full disclosure, I wouldn't have. But I've been disappointed in what I've seen out of Trevor the three years in Jacksonville. Not to say he can't get better. He'll be 25 in October, but there's been too many turnovers with him. The accuracy hasn't been to the level I expected. And so I've I've been disappointed with Trevor somewhat. I will admit that. There's been moments where he's looked like a first-round pick. There's been moments where you're like, what are you looking at? So if I had to do it all over again, hindsight being 2020, I would have taken the three first-round picks. But I would not have three years ago before the draft. I'm with you. Is there something also with Calvin Ridley where if you keep him, you lose a draft pick? Absolutely. Uh, that was The funny thing about that, Mark, is that that's made national news this week, but that was actually out there back in October of 2022 when they made the trade. It's just that now we're at the point where they're going to have to give up a pick. They would, if they sign Calvin Ridley before free agency or – which the new league year, which is March 13th, they're going to have to give the Falcons a second-round pick. If they're able to stretch this out and maybe put the franchise tag on him and then sign him to a deal in the summer, it's a third-round pick. But they are going to have to give up a pick to the Atlanta Falcons uh, to keep him, no question about that. So if they let him go, they don't have to give up a pick, right? They would still have to give up a pick. Uh, I believe it drops to a fourth-round pick at that point. That ter- All right. Do you want my opinion? It's terrible. It, I get it. It was a gamble. I, I let him walk, and I give up the fourth-round pick. I'm not giving up my second-round pick. No way, John. No way. I don't see the Jags giving up a second-round pick either, Mark. I think if they keep Calvin, what's going to happen is Calvin will hit the open market. This will get dragged out, and it would be a third-round pick. I don't think they will give up a second-round pick, especially after the Jags lost out, as we know, didn't make the playoffs. That second-round pick is more valuable than it would have been back in October when Jacksonville was 8-3. and three. Mm-hmm. So I don't see them giving that pick up either. My honest opinion is I don't think Calvin Ridley will be a Jaguar in 2024. I think he'll go out on the open market. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, next year. But that's another topic for another sure. day. But 
I just think that's a player that Mahomes and the Chiefs might look at and the free agent, but I don't see him staying in Jacksonville. How about I take Caleb Williams with the first pick, but then I keep Justin Fields, and then Fields starts, he gets one more year, and then you have Williams as the backup. How about that as the pick? That's a pretty good situation to be in. I like where the Bears are at right now because they're the ones with all the leverage at this point. They could do exactly what you just laid out. Or the Washington Commanders could offer them a King's ransom because Cliff Kingsbury is their offensive coordinator who coached Caleb Williams at USC with Lincoln Riley last year, for those that don't know. And maybe they get those three first-round picks. But either way... The Bears are sitting pretty right now with the quarterback situation, with Justin Fields still there, and the possibility of bringing a Caleb Williams or someone else in behind him. I would call Atlanta and be like, I want a first-round pick for Justin Fields. Give me your eighth pick and see what they say. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to see. His name is John Ferry, Sports Now. My man, thanks for your help, and have a great day. Mark, as always, an honor and a pleasure. And enjoyed the Chicago Bears talk as well today. A little bonus on this February Wednesday or Tuesday, I guess. I don't even know what day it is, but on this February Tuesday.